0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're going to keep the show rolling a little bit. We're going to be going into a little bit of a mailbag here on a Wednesday afternoon uh, just a couple days out from the start of Oregon football's 2023 season. Um, in case you guys didn't notice, hopefully it wasn't too big of a change, but I am talking on my new mic here. We're we're off screen here, so you can't see the mic, but uh, I did get a new microphone, and um, I think that it's a little bit better quality-wise, so hopefully you guys are enjoying it on your end. Um, so like I said, with the podcast being five days a week i thought it made sense to make that investment and uh get a new mic so though you guys don't need to hear about all of that but if you guys are still here in the live chat do me a favor throw a question my way or throw a comment my way and we can have a little bit of a chat here um we got a question from jabbar franklin the the dad of troy franklin what's going on jabbar Uh, Could somebody else besides Troy go for a thousand and if so, who this is a a, a fun question because that's really the mark that I think Oregon fans would love to see Troy Franklin hit here in the 2023 season. I think he was just shy of 900 yards last year. So Oregon hasn't had a thousand yard receiver since I want to say it was Dylan Mitchell in 2018, But um, man, this is an interesting one. I think my top two candidates, I think I want to say Tez Johnson is one of them. I don't think he had quite that production at uh, Troy, but I think with his speed and ability in 2022, Tez Johnson caught 56 passes for 863 yards and four touchdowns, just a little over 15 yards a pop, 15 yards per catch. So I think that he definitely has that explosive uh, element to his game. And I think after that, you probably have to talk about Chris Hudson, seeing that he's one of those more experienced guys that uh, Oregon has had at the wide receiver spot on their roster. In 2022, he caught 44 passes and turned that into uh, 472 yards. Didn't find the end zone, but caught the ball for uh, just over 10 yards a catch. So I think you got to go. Tez Johnson probably is a guy who's, uh, you know, able to reach that mark uh, possibly for the Ducks. Um, I wonder what Treshawn Holden's stats were at Alabama uh, a year ago. 25 catches for 331 yards and a touchdown. So he's not quite the deep threat that Tez Johnson is. Um, but I think that he could be in that conversation. I think I'm going to go yeah. – Maybe we'll do a little bit of a dark horse here. Um and I'm going to throw in Gary Bryant. I think Gary Bryant Jr is uh someone to to watch here. I think he is one of those transfer portal additions for Oregon that has kind of flown under the radar. Uh when he was at USC in 2021 before Lincoln Riley got there, he caught 44 passes for 579 yards and seven touchdowns, averaged 13.2 yards per catch. So I think Gary Bryant, I'm going to go Tez Johnson and Gary Bryant, I think those are guys are going to be playing a whole heck of of a lot of football for Oregon here. We still don't know what that wide receiver rotation is going to look like for the Ducks, as I was talking about with Zach. Just so much talent, so many guys that you need to get the ball to. Um, So I think that I'm going to go with Treshawn Holden and Gary Bryant Jr. as uh, somebody else that could maybe go for a thousand if it's not Troy Franklin, or maybe it's in addition to Troy Franklin. How crazy would that be? That would be super fun to watch from an Oregon standpoint. Thanks for the question. The next one, we got Brooks Durham. He's a frequent viewer slash listener. Brooks asks, is Ferguson uh, a thousand percent? Um, Yeah, I think all all signs are pointing to Terrence Ferguson being a full go at 100% health heading into the season opener against uh, Portland State. It was interesting. Um, There were reports out of practice today Wednesday in Eugene, that Casey Kelly, the old Miss tight end transfer, was not at practice, but Dan Lanning said he thinks he's going to be okay. Dan was super buttoned up today, maybe even a little bit more than normal, um, but uh, you know that's just how it goes sometimes. Coaches don't want to share a whole lot, um, especially when you're this close to the season. But uh, with with the way that he was uh, buttoned up today, you thought that he was playing for a national championship here in, uh, in this weekend. So Terrence Ferguson looks like he should be a full go. Uh, as far as I'm aware of heading into Saturday, that's Oregon's leading tight end from a year ago. He was number two on the team in touchdowns last year, uh, receiving touchdowns, I should say. So I'm really excited to see what that tandem looks like between Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert here in 2023. Hey, maybe we'll even see some Kenyon Sadiq, the true freshman out of the state of Idaho, the Idaho Gatorade Player of the Year in 2022. So I think Terrence Ferguson looks like he should be healthy. So That should be a a fun one. Andrew, what's your prediction for the fight pain? (laughs) Um, Yeah, uh, I think it's probably just a joke, but uh, Andrew, I had to throw that one up there. Appreciate you coming back and uh, stopping for another show. Um, Brooks with another question. You think Casper will play this weekend? Uh, Talking about redshirt freshman wide receiver, Kyler Casper, certainly a guy I'm super intrigued by six foot six, almost 210 pounds. I think he is another player in that wide receiver room that has maybe been forgotten about a little bit because if you think about his path to Eugene, his journey to Eugene, he was originally in the 2023 recruiting class. So this is a player that should really, in reality, be starting his college career right now. But he chose to reclassify. I know he said earlier in fall camp that he and his dad had a conversation. It didn't look like there was too much to gain from coming back for another year. So opted to reclassify and got to Oregon in the summer of 2022. And uh, he was just a crazy physical twitchy mismatch uh, while he was in high school out in Arizona there at Williams field high school. Um, so I think that he could definitely play this weekend. If Oregon's able to get out to a big win, I think you see more of Kyler Casper. I think you see more of justice low. I know a lot of people want to see jury on Dickey and how he's looking I'm excited to see how he's looking because he wasn't on campus for the spring game. We haven't really seen too much of jury Dickey since he got to Oregon and he did get hurt last year, folks. That's definitely something that's worth, uh, worth knowing here is that he got, uh, his senior season cut short. I think he only played four games, uh, before he hurt. Uh, I want to say it was his knee, but I'm not completely sure. So I just know it was a lower body injury. That's all I can, uh, can really say on that one. So I think Kyler Casper should play this weekend. I think he's a guy that a lot of duck fans want to see. And um, you, you want to keep uh keep him um, getting some good targets and see if you can carve out a role for him in 2023, because there's not going to be a lot of defensive backs, certainly not on Portland state, but really in the country that, that can uh, lock that guy down or, you know, compete with him physically. You're looking at a guy who's probably needs to be six foot two or north of six foot two, and around 200 pounds if they want to keep pace with him. So would love to see some of Kyler Casper this weekend when the Ducks take on the Vikings. All right, we got Bud here. Bud, what's going on? My my NorCal native, fellow NorCal uh, representative. uh, Bud's question, more Duck yards rushing or passing against PSU? This is an interesting one because I think in the past, I would probably have said rushing yards, but um, I'm going to go ahead and say passing yards in this one. This is uh, a leak Terry's offensive line now, and it's their first game together. Um, don't really expect to see Nashad Strother out there, um, seeing that he is questionable right now heading to this game. I think if a guy is questionable, you probably just hold off on playing him in a week one game against an FCS opponent. Not a whole lot to gain there from that standpoint of of pushing a guy to return. We did see that picture of Strother at the team dinner or team gathering in a sling. So there's not much of a reason to have him going. Um, But case in point still, this is the first game for this offensive line playing together. Like I talked about with Zach, they got to get that chemistry, get that cohesion. And I think that that probably lends itself to maybe some more quick passes from Bo Nix or some more long passes from Bo Nix to some of these wide receivers. I could easily see... The other being true Oregon finishing this game with more rushing yards than passing yards, but just because of the, the, uh, the gap physically and athletically between these two teams, I think Oregon should be able to dominate. And, uh, I want to, I I'm going to say passing yards because I want to see these receivers get the ball. And I just want to see a show put on that way. So that'll be a fun one. Give me more passing yards for Oregon against Portland state. Um, all right, Zaheem Richards with a question. Uh, do y'all think Devin Jackson will be a starter by the end of the season? Uh, thanks for the question, Zaheem. Um, I know you come around these uh, these parts, the show, quite a bit, so glad to have you back for another show. Appreciate it. I, I don't know if I would say I expect Devin Jackson to be a starter by the end of the season. Um, I just think you have to look at the guys that are ahead of him, most likely Justin Jacobs, Jeffrey Bossa, maybe even Connor Sowell, um, um, I thought it was Soli. I need to double check on that. But we're talking about the Arizona State transfer um, that has been doing a pretty good job since he got to Eugene. You also have Jamal Hill who comes down from the secondary to, to try things out at linebacker, and it sounds like that's been a, a great transition for Jamal Hill. Uh, he's really bulked up, and he looks like he's going to be able to be a difference maker for Oregon this year at linebacker. Um, I don't know if I think Devin Jackson is going to be a starter by the end of the season, because that would likely mean he has pushed Justin Jacobs or Jeffrey Bossa uh, to the point of losing their job. Uh, but maybe we see a lot of Devin Jackson this weekend against Portland state. I think he is certainly a guy that I'd be really excited to see um, because he's the only high school linebacker that they signed in the 22 class that is still with the team. Harrison Tagger, a former standout in the state of Utah, opted to transfer back to his home state to play for Kalani Satake and the BYU Cougars. So Devin Jackson is kind of the, uh, the the last man standing in that recruiting class for uh, the linebackers um, specifically. And the, the way that he's changed his body just since getting to Oregon is what's really caught a lot of people's attention. He was super, super fast coming out of high school also ran track. So uh, a linebacker that also ran track, those guys can be kind of freaky in terms of just how, well they can move how well they can carry that weight um i think devin jackson was listed at 228 pounds on oregon's updated 2023 roster six foot two 228 pounds um so he utilized a red shirt even though he appeared in five games uh played in the first four games of the season and was able to play in the holiday bowl against north carolina without burning a red shirt played nine total snaps on defense and 40 on special teams so he is super, super green as far as it comes um, with his experience. So I think that if, if Devin Jackson is a starter by the end of the season, I think you're either looking at a room that got really banged up some point throughout the year, or you're looking at him just making a phenomenal jump. Um, but I would love to see more of Devin Jackson, especially this weekend um, against Portland State. All right. What else do we got here? What else do we got here? Uh, another one from Brooks Brooks asks, think anyone red shirts like Tyler Turner or DeCambra at safety. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be super surprised if uh, I either, or both of these guys redshirted for Oregon. Um, Tyler Turner, a standout safety out of San Antonio, Texas and DeCambra was uh, a standout safety from national powerhouse, Las Vegas, Nevada, Bishop Gorman, Um, and, uh, both of these guys enrolled early they both are, are big defensive backs. I, I didn't get to cover any of Turner, uh, when he was in high school, but I did get to make it out to Las Vegas to, to cover a little bit of Cody DeCambra and, and, um, he's a big kid. He's a big kid and, uh, he's physical. Uh, I like his ability as a tackler as well, but I don't think that with the pieces that Oregon has in that safety room, I wouldn't expect to see a whole bunch of Tyler Turner or Cody DeCambra. Um, just because this room is really deep. You have Steve Stevens back. You have Brian Addison back, but you also add Tysheem Johnson from Ole Miss, Evan Williams from Florida state or F- Fresno state, excuse me. And, um, heck we'll see probably a little bit of uh, Nico Nico reading Cole Martin that star this year. So I just think there's too many guys ahead of them. Um, so a red shirt does make sense, but if they don't red shirt, I think that you could see them carving out roles on special teams, which, uh. Really wouldn't be that bad of a situation for Oregon if you can get those guys playing on special teams and, and being difference makers there. Um, but maybe you want to try to preserve their red shirt if at all possible. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, I think that yeah, Turner could red shirt. I see. I see most of Oregon's offensive line class from 2023 red shirting. Um, it seems like Iapani Lalaulu from Hawaii is uh, one of those interior guys that uh, really has been making some some positive impressions during fall camp. Um, and then I know that Janoris Wilson is another guy they signed at O-line out of Florida, a guy with a wrestling background that has a lot of upside, uh, Bryce Bolton out of Palm Desert, California, Lipe Mawala uh, from modern Day. Um, And then you also have George Silva, who I think a lot of people are excited about from the JUCO ranks. Uh, I think he's a top Juco, JUCO offensive lineman from the 23 cycle, but uh, he's still super new to football. So uh, unless he makes a jump, I don't think that you see him playing a whole heck of a lot. Um, so give me Iapani Lululu as a guy who could maybe not use his uh, red shirt and, and see some some good time. His his older brother Faope is is someone who could make some noise as well in that offensive line rotation. But yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys that could red shirt maybe Tavita Pomee. Um, maybe Terrence green. Uh, yeah. The defensive line class is interesting, but I don't know how much they're going to play Solomon Davis, just because they have so much experience ahead of them. I think a lot of these guys redshirt, but the, the question there is more, more importantly, I think who doesn't redshirt uh, for Oregon here. I think Mateo Uyunglele is a, a guy that has, uh, impressed a lot of folks and figures to, to be playing a lot of football for the ducks this year. So you have him Jurion Dickey. Um, is, is another guy at wide receiver, a five-star recruit in the, the crown jewel of Oregon's 2023 class with Junior Adams. So I think that those two guys are people that I think are are likely to not redshirt uh, for the Ducks. But like I just got finished talking about, the receiver room is deep as can be. Uh, all right, Zaheem, projected stat line for Bo Nix versus Portland State. Fill in the blank. We got blank for blank completions, blank yards, and blank touchdowns. Um, let's see. This is a fun one. I'm going to say Bo Nix against Portland state. Um, let's go like 22 for 26. Um, let's go 260 yards and four touchdowns. Give me three in the air and one on the ground, uh, for Bo Nix 22 for 26, 260 yards um and, and four total touchdowns i think that we could see more numbers but at that point i feel like he might get taken out of the game so i think bo Nix for four touchdowns is definitely good you see him uh you see him take care of business
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed
1: Uh, but, yeah, Eric, in, in the comments here, to answer your comment, uh, Iapani is Poncho, uh, the younger of the two La brothers. All right, what else do we got here? What else do we got? Um, Raymond asks, Coach Lanning says that he just wants to win the game, but what do you expect the final score to be? Uh, yeah, just in case you guys weren't here for the prediction segment with, uh, with Zach and I, uh, I said – um, 59 or 62. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with 62 to 13 for Oregon. Um, coming up just shy of a 50 point win. Uh, I want to see Oregon dominate like Zach was saying, not so much offensively, but defensively, because that's the group. That's the side of the ball that I think is going to be under that microscope, uh, a little bit more as we go into the start of the season. So go ahead and give me Oregon 62 to 13 over Portland state. Andrew with a question. How long into the game do you think will be before Mateo U gets in? Um, yeah, I think uh, I would say maybe maybe late second, late second quarter um, if, if they're able to, to be explosive in the first half, in the first quarter, and get some points up on the board. Um, if not then, then at some point in the second half, this is a game that he should absolutely play in just to get used to the speed of the college game, although it's only Portland State. But these games are crucial because you want to be able to get some of those younger, less experienced guys, some good snaps, and just maybe knock some of the rust off because a lot of them haven't played football since the, the end of their um, senior season. So I think Mateo is certainly someone that you want to uh, get in that game from that true freshman class, or just maybe someone who probably won't start to start the season, but you never know. Uh, LFBP fishing, bold prediction. Ty throws for 150 yards, 150 plus yards and a touchdown. Uh, yeah, I could see this one. I mean, I don't think it's it's crazy bold, but I think Ty Thompson's due for a, a good performance, um, especially since he's probably going to be Oregon's quarterback to this upcoming season. Bo Nix is primary backup. So if Oregon's able to blow the doors off of Portland State, Ty should definitely get in. I'd love to see what he can do from a development standpoint and maybe just making some, some throws into coverage, um, limiting his mistakes. How does he look in the pocket? Is he poised? Can he keep his eyes down the field? But I think 150 plus yards and a touchdown is, is certainly doable and would be a great uh, mark for him to hit this Saturday. Raymond, how many turnovers for each team? Uh, This is an interesting one because I talked about generating turnovers as one of what I thought was Oregon's weaknesses heading into the season. And when I say weaknesses or even strength for that matter, I think I'm going off of last season and just what they were able to do. And uh, I need to see it before I can judge it as a strength or uh, a new weakness for Oregon in 2023. So I think Oregon in this game, I could see... I don't think they're going to turn the ball over. I think they have a good dominant showing from that standpoint. And then I want to see them turn Portland state over three times. So three turnovers for Portland state and none for Oregon. This is a game that Oregon should easily put away. Uh, question from Andrew Nova sad won't get PT right playing time. Um, I don't know. I think. For me, I would think that it'd be great to see Austin Novosad, the true freshman quarterback from Dripping Springs, Texas. I think that Ty Thompson probably has to be the guy that you're prioritizing getting some snaps this year just to make sure that he's ready to go in case anything happens to Bo. Um, But it would be fun to see Novosad play. But I think for me, if I'm the Oregon staff, I'm prioritizing getting Thompson uh, some good snaps. All right, let's see what we got here. Uh, Pendleton one, two, three asks thoughts on addition of Oregon track star, Makai Williams. And if we'll see him in trash time. Yeah, I think, um, th- it was a, it was a fun, it's a fun addition. It's an interesting one, but this is a guy who hasn't really played a lot of football since his freshman year of high school. So, uh, Dan Lenny talked about how he's still is kind of getting used to playing football again, knocking some of the rust off. Um, I think this is just kind of a fun addition. I don't necessarily expect, uh, Williams to play a big part, a uh, big role on this year's team. Maybe you get to roll him out there as a specialist, whether that be as a punt returner or a kick returner, maybe even as a gunner on uh, on punt or a kickoff as well. So you got to try to find a way to utilize that speed. And I think that those are some of the ways that you could see him, um, see him make an impact, um, I don't think that he's necessarily going to be a priority to get reps at wide receiver. I think you want to get some of these younger guys in. um, And especially with all the mouths they have to feed in that wide receiver room. I think you maybe want to prioritize getting some of these other scholarship guys, uh, some good touches. If you're up, uh, if you're up big. Um, Eric says, I have a feeling Novus Adable passed Ty on the depth chart this year, headed into next. Hopefully I'm wrong. And Ty shows something. Yeah, I think a lot of fans are probably feeling how you are, Eric, as far as Oregon's quarterback position moving forward after uh, the Bo Nix era in Eugene. I think that uh, Novosad has shown a lot of promise. I think he needed to add some weight to his frame after I saw him in uh, San Antonio. That was one of the things that I was thinking about, just pretty skinny. But uh, you can definitely see the finesse in his game and and the accuracy, the touch that he has on long balls is kind of what stood out to me the most during my time in uh, San Antonio that week. Um, but yeah, I think that's more of the reason that you want to, that fans want to see Ty Thompson get in that game, just to see how he's doing, what his development is looking like for the ducks uh, as we head into a new season. And, and um, I think he needs the snaps. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if something like this did happen, if Nova Sad were to pass tie on the depth chart at some point this year. Um, but uh, whoever's more capable that's who's going to get that job, as uh, as you should as should be the case. Um, let's see here. Another question from Raymond: How many return yards combined for punt and kickoff would demonstrate adequate improvement for the Ducks? Uh, this is an interesting one. I think, yeah, the with the explosive playmakers that they have on this team. I mean, I think. Um, let me look back to last year and what they had um from a punt and kick return standpoint, just what they were what they were averaging. Um because I see your comment here asking, will Roderick Pleasant see the field this this week? I mean I wouldn't expect him to see the field right now. I think you'll see guys like Tez Johnson, Gary Bryant Jr., Bucky, Noah, Troy Franklin even um was fielding some punts in fall camp, which is something that's new to him. I know not every Oregon fan is wild about that idea because they don't want him getting hurt. Um, but it's still something to uh, to just mention. Okay, let's see here. On returns, Oregon averaged 18.81 yards per kickoff return. And then on punt return, they averaged... Um, oh, is that there? Yeah, they averaged... That doesn't make sense. 4.92 yards, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, they averaged 4.92 yards per punt return. So I think for Oregon, when you're looking at kickoff return... Um, you ideally like to get out to the 25, if you can, I think that that would, if they're able to flirt closer to 25 yards per kick return, I think that that would be a a decent improvement for them. And then punt return is really hard because you just got to think about them getting the ball and then the defender is right there in your face. Um, so I'm going to go with for, for punt average. I don't even know what a good team usually has, but Oregon's opponents average just over 13 yards per punt return in 2022. So I'm going to say between 10 to 13 yards, um, per punt return would be much, much, much healthier. Um, but at that point it is a little bit more about luck, I think just with where you field the ball, but that's what I'm going to go with for my answer, Raymond. Another question from Zaheem. Who do you think we'll see with the first defense on the field at the corner and nickel slash star position versus PSU? Yeah, I think at a, oh man, at corner uh, with the first defense, I think you'll probably see Triquez Bridges and Kyrie Jackson is what I'm thinking for the starting two corners for the Ducks. Um, Just because Triquez Bridges is pretty experienced and I think that that's a guy they probably feel good about. Um, but you, I'm hoping that Jaleel Florence sees some really good playing time as well because he's a guy that really intrigues me. As for the nickel slash star position, I think you'll either see Taishim Johnson or Nico Reed. Um, I think Nico Reed working at nickel is, has been one of the more interesting developments of fall camp just because he came in as a, as a, uh, excuse me, as a corner from Colorado. So I think that you'll probably see Taishim or Nico Reed at that star spot for Oregon uh, in week one against the Vikings. Timonacci glass looking like it's going to be a hundred degrees at Texas tech. Lucky. Cause it's been one Oh five to one Oh six for the last few weeks here in Texas. How will the hundred degree heat affect the ducks? Yeah, this is an interesting question. I saw, uh, one of our one of my coworkers over at Cal Sports Report writing about how hot it's going to be when the Bears face North Texas um, in their home op- in their uh, opening week game. But the Texas the the heat I think it's it's gonna I guess you could say it's gonna affect Oregon, but to what extent and how much you really can't say because Oregon Oregon's supposed to have they have had some hot days. I mean, I used to live in Eugene, so I know. I know how hot it can get in Eugene. Um, but let me look at the forecast for this next week in Eugene. It's not supposed to get hotter than 79. Today is actually the hottest day between now and um, as of right now, between now and next Saturday. Um, so I think it's going to affect them a little bit. Maybe they try to practice inside with some, some, uh, uh, I don't know, some heaters. Um, it's just hard to say. I think that, uh, it's it's gonna test them physically, and it's gonna really show us how locked in they are mentally, and where this team is at in terms of just dealing with adversity and kind of stuff that comes their way. I think that being a road game, and I don't know how hostile of an environment Texas Tech is in Lubbock. I'm not saying it is or isn't. I'm just saying I flat out don't know. But heat is only gonna make it harder to play. So I think it'll it'll be uh, it'll be something that maybe changes their approach a little bit. No, it's not. What am I saying? It's not going to change their approach, but you it's going to change their preparation possibly. That's really all I can say. Um, playing in the heat is tough, and you usually try to mirror those conditions. So we will have to see what uh, actually happens there. Um, let's see. Andrew says, uh, I really want to see Pleasant on punt returns, but it'd be interesting to see him at cornerback too. Yeah, Roderick Pleasant is another guy. Uh, he was former teammates with Dakota Fields, who's a 2024 Oregon cornerback commit. They both play uh, played, I should say, at Sarah and Gardena. Um, and, and Roderick is a super, super twitchy guy. He has phenomenal catch-up speed. If you're just talking about maybe the situation where he gets beat off of the line of scrimmage, I think that that's pretty uh, unlikely at most points. But he's not the biggest guy. Um, certainly not uh, super developed and filled out physically from his frame standpoint. I think he's probably five, eight or five, nine. But that guy is a, an elite athlete. I mean, he's a dude like that's, we've talked about Dan Lanning, liking the long fast corners, but I think Roderick Pleasant is the guy you kind of make an exception for both him and Cole Martin kind of remind me of each other a little bit, just with their short area quickness, their athleticism, their ability to make plays on the ball Um, and then with, with Rod, when I was talking to him covering his recruitment, he said that there was a little bit of a talk about maybe playing some receiver, uh, as well. Um, so that is, that is really interesting. Maybe we'll see a little bit of Roderick Pleasant on offense. I'm not holding my breath for it, but he did tell me that that was kind of on the table a little bit when Oregon was recruiting him his senior season at Sarah. So we'll have to see what he ultimately ends up doing. Uh, but yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see him at corner this year maybe in um, one of the non-con games just to see what he can do at the college level. Raymond, great show as usual, Max. The sound quality is good. Thank you so much. I love to hear that. Glad the quality is good for you guys. Hope the picture's all right too. Uh, Not too much sun today, thankfully on, uh, on the left of me. LFBP fishing asks, Max, what's your favorite thing uh, about your job? This is a really fun one. I think, um, I can I can give it a couple of different answers. I mean, when I was living in Eugene covering the team, my favorite thing about my job was being around the players, being around the coaches and getting to interview them, going to Autzen Stadium on Saturdays. just there's absolutely nothing like it. I absolutely love it. I really miss the the fall, the misty and cold fall mornings in Eugene and I have to get up there again at some point this season. but uh, as far as now, uh, and present day, now that I live in Long Beach, California, um, I, I'm really, really putting an emphasis on um, covering high school football and just really elevating my coverage of Oregon on the recruiting trail. So I love going to the high school games, covering the high school games. is so much fun getting to be around the players and the coaches, uh, just feeling their energy, um, being there for the big plays, the big games and getting those interviews with guys uh, that I know are hard to get. I definitely take a tremendous amount of pride in that. Being boots on the ground and traveling to these games, being a consistent uh, guy that's appearing at these games is something that really means a lot to me. Um, and just getting to tell their stories, and and then also I, I got to say, getting some of the getting some of the inside scoop. Um, I think that I've really, really enjoyed you know growing my sources as far as uh, Oregon football and Oregon recruiting. Goes and uh, making some of these predictions, you know, trying to predict it before it happens. It's certainly not a perfect science, um, but it's something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, I did mess up on the Roderick Pleasant prediction. I mean, that was a crazy recruitment, but that was down to Oregon and SC, and I predicted him to SC, and he ended up at Oregon. So you got to kind of be careful waiting in those waters. But it really does feel good to kind of pat yourself on the back sometimes, and you're like, "Oh, I knew that was going to happen," and I tried to share it with my listeners or with my readers. Um, whatever it is, so that was like four different answers. But I'm really enjoying the podcast too, getting to to build my presence on YouTube, on the podcasting platform, building a community here on my channel. You know, seeing uh, a lot of my everydayers and my regular uh, viewers really, really makes me happy, and uh, um, I love to see the support from you guys because I could not do this without your support, whether it's reading my stuff, listening to my stuff, watching my stuff, subscribing to my channel. I'm just incredibly grateful. Um, But I think that's going to do it. We hit the hour mark here on the pod in our mailbag portion. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. But make sure you guys lock in with me on Twitter and Instagram at sports. Subscribe and like the video if you're here on YouTube. And then share the Duck's podcast with your friends, with your family, and with other Duck fans. Um, we're just trying to grow this thing and, and make it as big as possible. And you play a huge part in that. So thank you guys so much. However, you're tuned in, uh, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to talk some ball, talk some duck football with me. Uh, thank you to Zach on the earlier part of this show. And we'll catch you guys in the next episode of the ducks ish podcast.
2: The headlines remind us daily. The world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing, but you know, better.